1: As we answer God's call to worship, we enter his presence. Uh, God then calls us to confess our sins as well, and we respond by doing so. Hear from God's word, Hebrews 4, the call to confession, verse 12 and 13. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thus far, the reading of God's word, it's a basic truth, but God knows everything about us better than we know ourselves, and we owe him an account for our lives. The word of God is an alive and active force, exposing how we fall short. Uh, there's a good analogy to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Just as the priest took a knife and cut the sacrificial animal and arranged the pieces on the altar, so God gives us the word to pierce our soul, to arrange us properly to be a living sacrifice for him. And we need to submit to the surgical procedure that only he can do. And this reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So please kneel if you're able, and I'll pray our prayer of confession. Peter has begun by pointing to our uh, rebirth in Christ and the hope that that inheritance is. He's spoken of uh, the temporary suffering that they are going through or about to go through. Refers back to that a fair bit. And last week uh, in verses 13 to 16, the call to be holy and uh, that Christ has redeemed us with his precious blood. We come next to verse 22 of 1 Peter 1. And the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And God's people said, amen let's pray heavenly father we give you thanks for for this time of worship Uh, lord we worship you as we read your word we worship you as we uh, hear it preached Uh, help us to continue in our faithful worship uh, at this time by your spirit's help uh, for your son's glory we pray amen Well, the introduction this week is the same as last week. I was diagramming sentences again because we have the same thing we had last week, a a few long, complicated sentences, and the main verb I'll I'll focus on, but there's an awful lot of theology just packed away in all the subordinate clauses. So it's the same kind of format. Uh, the, The main verbs here are love one another. You have that in verse 22, halfway through, earnestly from a pure heart. And then the other main verb is desire the, the pure spiritual milk. Long for in the ESV, which I read from. Long for the pure spiritual milk. That's in chapter 2, verse 2. So, uh, But there's an awful lot of theology packed into all the subordinate clauses. Being born again. Purifying your souls. Obedience. Uh, tons of really important uh, stuff all grammatically put under those main verbs. Love each other. <laughs> Uh, have a taste and a longing for the Word. So let's start with loving each other. Uh, love for the brethren, again, it's the main verb. Uh, and where it all lands, all the um, profound theology uh, that he packs in a- around the verb, uh, is uh, where it all lands is that we need to help each other out because we're family now. In Christ, we are one body, we are the church. We need support, we need encouragement, we need advice from others here. And sometimes we have to give encouragement and advice and support to others who need it here. So that's an important thing for us to do. I've heard recently, again, several incidents from some of you of being wrongly condemned by church leaders in past churches. And that's a traumatizing experience, mainly because it's the opposite of what should be happening, right? It's the opposite of love for one another. When churches guilt trip their people, when they condemn, when they major on minors, when they slander or gossip, all to assert their own agendas, they're loving and serving themselves. But instead, church leaders and everyone in the church needs to put the interests of others ahead, even of their own. And that's an important thing to do. Recently, we've been doing some uh, membership interviews. And uh, as uh, Elder Greg was recounting the history of how Christ Church of Livingston County got started uh, as, as he was going through that again. Uh, it, it hit me, it really struck me, that some, some people come, well, everybody, most of us, we come to CREC churches like these, like this, for several different reasons. Uh, not the same reasons. And that, that relates to loving each other. I'll make the connection in a second. But some of us come for the Christian education emphasis or the similar parenting philosophy uh, shared by with other families some come for a church that's friendly to post millennial thought or or it's the only church they know of that's willing to preach reformed theology without apology uh, some come for the traditional hymns and the, or the psalm singing and some are just relieved that we're not pushing masks all the time there's all kinds of reasons uh, and many of them overlap uh, but it's an important thing to notice when those reasons are different It can make it harder to connect with people, and it makes it a bit more of an uphill climb to love one another. Another good example is uh, the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Uh, Some of us are here because of that. Uh, Others of us have never heard of that. What's that about? So there's there's some disconnects, and we need to make some connections so that we know what's going on, what we're after. And it, it makes it very important. We have to make sure that our fellowship and rapport with people depends on Christ. On the gospel, uh, on the majors, and that it, we have to make sure that it, uh, it doesn't um, depend completely on having the same opinions about more passing things. That's important. So we have to love each other, uh, Peter says. That's that's the main thing. The the payoff of all of, of the gospel of you being born again, etc., is loving each other. Why, why? And Peter gives several answers in the subordinate clauses. Uh, first of all, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Uh, since that's happened, love each other, right? And you can turn that around and say, why should we love each other? Because we want to obey God, because our souls have been purified. So, and, and there's an interesting thing there. Obedience purifies the soul, right? It, we often think of it the other way around. Purity leads to obedience, but obedience also leads to further uh, purity, that's an important thing. Obedience is the great teacher, uh, some of the Puritans said. So we obey the truth. We o- that's, that's one way that the apostles in the New Testament letters describe coming to faith in Christ. They'll often put it in that way. You've, you've obeyed the truth. That, that's, that's something. We, we admit the way it is. Uh, God made me. God made the whole world around me. I have not lived how he wants me to live. He's brought me to Christ and he's brought me to this church and these people have come to Christ too and we all need love and teaching and encouragement, real spiritual needs that God designed to be met by loving others in church fellowship. That's the idea. So we've obeyed the truth in that way and that applies in many different areas of life there's the there's the culture area like with all the gender issues that are going on right now right it was elizabeth elliot a generation ago who said let me be a woman right god made me a woman let's say so let me be a woman but today people are insisting that reality conform to their desires and we need it instead to shape our desires by god's reality We have to obey the truth in the gospel itself and in every area of life. So that's one reason we need to love each other, because we need to obey the truth and obey what God has told us. It's the second greatest commandment after all. Second reason is that you've been born again, Uh, verse 23. Since you have been born again. And it's always good to focus on this. I've I've taken us to John 3 way too frequently in the last few months, I know. But but you must be born again, Jesus says. And born again is passive. If you want to stick with the grammar theme this morning, All, all you grammar nerds out there, the passive mood, right? You have been born again. It's always put that way. You've been regenerated. It happens to us. We're not active in it. God does it. We don't choose Christ and thus are born again. No, we're born again, and because of that, we believe in Christ. And we're born again of an incorruptible seed, per- not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. And Peter spends a, a verse on that, that's important, right? What, he's talking about corrupted seed or corruptible seed, like a grain of wheat, right, which can rot, and, and, or the seed can drown in the, in the field and, and fail. That's not how we're born again. Uh, the seed by which we were born is incorruptible, invulnerable, uh, Im, imp, imper, impervious is the word, to uh, damage, to death. Uh, so uh, it, when a grain of wheat is planted or, or a human egg is in the womb, it's, it's acted upon. You could even say invaded to make a change, right? to begin life. And Jesus tells a parable with this same metaphor, right? A sower went out to sow. And it falls on four different kinds of ground. And he explains it later. The seed is the word of God. We are the field. We're we're the different kinds of soil. Regeneration of the soul is like that. But the contrast is that seed in the ground can drown. Drown. You know, we drive. I grew up in farm country. My uh, dad was a part-time farmer himself. I had it in my head all the time. Whenever you drive past a field, check out the crops. How are they doing? Are they, is it green? Do they look dry? How, how is it looking? Uh, we don't have to worry about that for those who have been born again. There's, there's a, an inexorable quality that the seed will grow. There will be fruit. God says that over and over. And we often doubt it, right? We, we, we see this condition of our family on a Tuesday morning and the kids are everywhere. And we think, is this ever going to be any fruit? It, it is. It, it, God is very calm and confident about that. Our life in Christ is not susceptible to death, to disease, to COVID, whatever it is. God will see us bear fruit because we've been born again. And that's why we're called to love one another. So th- those are the two reasons why. Uh, and that's, that's the first half of, of the message there on loving one another. That's the first main verb. Because we need to obey the truth because we've been born again. Second is the desire for the word. And that's where Peter takes us with that metaphor he just finished it off with. The, the imperishable seed that, we're, that causes us to be born again is the word of God. And that's where he goes now. This, this seed is not perishable. And it's living and abiding into verse 23. And then he quotes from the Old Testament. All flesh is like grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Uh, So the word, it's important to keep this straight. You you could look at the word here as being Jesus himself. Jesus is the living word, right? Or you could see the word here as, as scripture, Uh, and or the preaching of the word, which is at the very end of the chapter, chapter, uh, verse 25. This word is the good news that was preached to you. So uh, Peter's kind of going in a few directions there, but it seems the main one is the the scripture word of God. He's referring to the living and abiding word. The the word of the Lord, verse 25, remains forever. Uh, So Peter seems to be focusing in on on scripture here, but also... um, Hinting to the other uh, possibilities as well. Uh, I, I quote this verse a lot after we read Scripture. That, that verse right there, verse 24. And it, it, the reason for that is because we need to be reminded all the time. We hear a lot of words. You're hearing a lot of words right now. But the words, the, when we read Scripture, it's an entirely different quality. And we need to keep that in mind. So uh, the word is living. Uh, And we talked about that at the call to confession. Hebrews 4.12 says the same thing. The word is lasting, living and lasting. And the Bible's lasting impact is what Peter kind of focuses in on here with this quote in verse 24. The contrast between grass and flowers that fade and fall and the word of God which remains forever. We've got a bush in our backyard that's uh, about done flowering right now. So every morning we look and we see, oh, there's a few more there, a few more, but the time's almost over. And you see that when, when you um, go through the seasons with uh, flowers, with a garden. There's, there's a passing time in which you'll have flowers and buds, but then it's done. That's what human life is like. But the Word of God is not like that. It's lasting. So people uh, like to have the last word in a debate or in a discussion often, right? And many critics of the Bible have come and gone through the centuries trying to debunk the Bible. But it's not as easy to do as they think. And God has the last word. When their final day comes, it's done. And they go to meet him. And the judgment comes. The word is what's lasting and living. So desire that word. We'll skip verse 1 for a second, but verse 2 of chapter 2 is, is continuing the same line of thought. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, and that's referring back to, to the Word. That's why I kept reading at the end of the chapter, because it's the same thought. So we ought to be uh, longing for spiritual milk, Peter says, which is interesting. In Hebrews, milk is a, a bad thing, so it's a sign that you're still immature, Right, You ought to be up to solid food by now, but you still need milk like a baby, the writer of Hebrews says. Here, Peter uses, it as, uses milk as a positive thing, and being an infant, being a positive thing. Uh, like a baby cries out to be fed her mother's milk, we should be crying out to be fed the word of God. That's the metaphor there. And it's, it's something we're quite passionate about here. And it's a reason, you know, the CREC is known for a lot of things. Uh, One is our uh, rather sharp critique of the modern evangelical church. Uh, And the reason for that, one of the reasons, comes right from this, this value. Uh, The the critique isn't something that's coming from crankiness or malice or just negativity. Uh, What it comes from is me seeing uh, churches by the thousands of people in huge auditoriums that are given a 20-minute music concert and then a 10-minute promo about how awesome their church is and then three quick Bible verses and then a 20-minute series of stories or movie clips. And it's, it's almost like we're embarrassed of this book. We don't want to give too much of this to people or they won't come back or something like that. Jesus told church leaders directly, feed my sheep. And we need to feed the sheep the Word. That's why uh, we read from 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Preach the Word. Give a, this is Paul writing to Timothy, the one who's pastoring the church, directly. He says, give attention to the public reading of Scripture. That means in church. It's critical. And too often today, pastors instead uh, try to um, advance the, their agenda, grow their church by something else, uh, by acting cool on stage in some other way. And they'll bother you with Bible and Jesus talk for just a couple of minutes. And that teaches people. That, that teaches people something, right? People go out and live their own life that way. Now, it's really more important for me to keep up with the times and the culture than to speak and live faithfully to the gospel. And in my personal life, I'll, I'll slip into just... Uh, reading two or three verses of inspirational scripture a day. Just, just a couple minutes. That's good. That's, that's what the church does. That that's, should be good for me too. No! No, no, no! God made this analogy that the Word is like food. It's like a baby with milk. How often does a baby need milk from its mother? How often? How much? And how much work is that? That's the analogy. It's, it's a good one. It's God-given. How many bites of food do you take every day? Have you ever counted? How, how many, I mean, meals, you know, two to four, whatever it is. But how many bites? But we need food frequently because our body needs to digest the nutrients to live. We need the Word of God frequently because our soul needs it, like the body needs food. You know, some food we avoid because we don't like it, Right? but we still need the nutrition that it provides in some way. And again, the Bible's a good analogy there. Some parts of the Bible are an acquired taste, and, and that's okay. I remember reading C.S. Lewis wrote that once. He, he was a, a poetry uh, scholar of, of the, Renaissance, or not Renaissance, the Mid- Middle Ages. And so he came to the Psalms, and it's completely different poetry, Hebrew, ancient. And he just, he didn't like it he's he's an aesthetic academic guy who wants the poetry to be how he wants it to be so he had a hard time when he converted reading the psalms that this isn't poetry this isn't what i'd like and and that's okay and it's okay to admit that but you need the nutrients that are there take it in anyway So so that's very important. I had an extended family member watch our live stream for a while during COVID. And they are part of a different uh, branch of the church. And they commented to me, man, you read a lot of scripture in your worship service every week. Wow, they were kind of blown away by that. And let me tell you, that is special. Don't take that for granted. You get communion every week. That is special. You get 50 to 100 verses of the Bible read to you every week here. That's huge. That's very important. It's good for us to do. As a parent, you can't just give your kids candy so that they'll like you, right? You've got to give them the peas and the carrots sometimes. Sometimes the pastor has to preach through Numbers or Exodus. It's the same analogy, right? Sometimes, like First um, Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is useful. But what's it useful for? Like three-fourths of the list is all kind of negative things we think of as negative, right? Reproof, correction, rebuke. Uh, some kind of encouragement is in there too, but Scripture is, is giving us the vegetables uh, also. So uh, not all the time. There are times to break out the popcorn and ice cream at home, Right? And, and, you know, you read John 3, and you come to John three sixteen, and And it's grace and love and mercy all the way down. And when we get uh, wiser, we realize that the peas and the carrots are also grace and love and mercy all the way down. So uh, your, your soul needs conviction now and then. And if you're in a regular habit of reading lots of Scripture uh, frequently, it'll come to you. You'll get Christ, you'll get the gospel, you'll also get uh, shaped and challenged uh, by the word. Just this last week, I was sharing uh, a part of my life story with a a trusted mentor, and he convicted me from the word uh, of the sin of pride. There was a certain thing that was happening, a certain way I was feeling, and he just pointed out to me from the word, I think that's pride. I think you're having that feeling because you think you're better than you are. That was, and I hadn't noticed it before. And it was a tough pill to swallow. But it's a much needed input into our lives. So R.C. Sproul says it well. He says, you're not going to grow as a Christian unless you're nurtured by the word. So uh, if you have um, kids at home, if you're raising little ones, uh, a good thing to do is after dinner or before or sometime when the family's together, take out a Bible and find five to ten verses to read. Start small. Uh, If the kids are older, you can discuss it together for a few minutes. Uh, This is something that families ought to replicate as they see it happening in churches. At at church, the pastor reads the the Bible for 10, 20 minutes. Maybe at home we can read the Bible for five minutes together. That's a good thing to do together. Uh, This relates back to Psalm 34, where we started in the the service today. And I think most... um, Commentators think Peter is almost quoting that in verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, taste and see, Psalm 34 says, right? There's the same analogy. The the word is milk, it's food. We we need to taste this food and see that God is good. Uh, the, The law is sweeter than honey, Psalm 119 says. I had a seminary class once where the, the professor was emphasizing that point. So we walked into class, and he had a laminated sheet of paper with that Bible verse on it. The law of God is sweeter than honey. And he'd taken a jar of honey and just put a dab of honey on everybody's sheet of paper and, and, and has us lick the honey off of the paper just to get the existential sense. I'd always remember that. I remember it mainly because I didn't like honey at the time. So it was a weird mix of, wait a minute, what's happening here? Because I don't like the taste, but I'm supposed to love the Word of God. So there, and that's, that's a fascinating thing that happens. Your tastes change sometimes, right? I used to hate sour cream. Now I love it too much, right? Well, there are different tastes. We have. We, have, we have different phases of life where we read the Bible more than others. There's ups and downs in our spiritual lives. We need to notice that. Bible reading can be a kind of thermometer. Um, for, and, and a thermostat uh, for our spiritual life. So we're not going to have a taste for spiritual things without being reborn by the Spirit. And that's what, where Peter began. We, we've, since we've been born again, we need to desire the pure spiritual milk of the Word. And instead of that, we need to put away, verse 1, look at that just a second, put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Uh, you know, this is almost a, a fruit of the spirit kind of thing in Galatians 5, right? Where Paul lists all kinds of awful things first. Uh, the fruit of the flesh and then the fruit of the spirit. That, that's a similar thing to what he's doing here. here. Here's the list of the fruits of the flesh. And um, I think it was Sproul who said that he, he thought that malice was the, the thing that kind of covered all of this whole list. The first one covers all the rest. And I thought that was fascinating. They're, they're, these are all forms of malice, right? Malice is like a desire to harm. You, 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 you want to hurt somebody. That's malice. That's, that's the September 11 attacks. That, that's what we noticed again after a, a while of being rather naive about good and evil in the world. We, it, it registered with us that there were people who intended malice to us. Yeah, an, an intention to harm and so the president started using the word evil again that, that was that was huge malice is a desire to harm deceit is a form of malice we're, we're, deceit is when you're against the truth when you're distorting the truth when you're hiding the truth and that's an act of malice towards those who you're deceiving same thing with the rest uh, hypocrisy is, uh, is is about acting you're pretending to be something that you're not and that's, that's a malicious thing to do to others instead of be honest and open with them and so on. Instead of all of that, desire the word. Desire the word. And the point of desiring the word, as I bring this in for a landing, isn't just to be more familiar with a book. Uh, this book will bring you to Jesus. And that's the point, right? Uh, Jesus has died to pay the redemption price for his people. He's risen to show his defeat of death, to show the new life that we share in him. He now rules the world with truth and grace, as the Christmas hymn puts it, until all his enemies are put down. And until then, we have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So let's obey the truth. Let's love one another. Let's desire the word. Be who you were born to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good work that you have done in our lives, uh, bringing us to be born again into your kingdom. Uh, We ask that we would see that work for what it is, uh, such a work of grace and radical change, uh, and that we would act accordingly. Lord, give us a a greater desire uh, for the word of God uh, and to love you and glorify you uh, and to love uh, those who are specifically sitting around us right now, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who is the ever-living Word, and we sing as He taught us to pray. read an exhortation, just from the first last two verses of our text, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here we have pure food, healthy and nutritious. Uh, I'd like to call it sometimes God's superfood for the soul. It isn't automatic if we don't join with Christ by faith as we eat and drink. It falls flat. It can even hurt you. Come to this table as a newborn babe comes to feed Completely dependent on God, learning how to eat in the first place, and come seeking to grow, to take in solid food, deeper truth, grasping more and more the wideness and the richness of God's grace. Christ will not disappoint you in this pursuit. So come and welcome to the Lord Jesus Christ. We invite all those who are baptized and under the authority of Christ and his body, the church, to eat. Uh, to come by eating and drinking uh, the bread and wine with us. You're acknowledging that you are a sinner, that you are without hope except in God's sovereign mercy, that you're trusting Christ alone for your salvation. So come and welcome to the Lord Jesus.
0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I dot com. Again, thank you and blessings.